0: All right, so we've been going through this series called The Greatest Life, and we've been bouncing off of different songs in that movie, The Greatest Showman, um, to talk about what would it look like for us to have a life that we would say, yeah, man, I'm really living the life that I want to live. I'm being who I want to be. I'm being who God created me to be. And so um, I know I've built this song up a lot. I've been telling you this is my favorite song. We're ending with my favorite song. This song, I'm going to try not to cry while on stage in front of you, but I... I I have a hard time watching this video. And now listen, we're not going to watch the one from the movie. I'm going to do this behind-the-scenes thing again, because for whatever reason, I just got to be honest, this really gets me, okay? So uh, Hugh, I called him Hugh Grant yesterday. It's not Hugh Grant. Um, Different actor. Hugh Jackman is sharing... um, a little bit of background of this, this this is the time when they're pitching the whole thing to the executives. I think it's at Universal. So they're trying to get their project greenlit. If you've read any of the history, this has been something he's been dreaming about and working on for years and years and years. This is like a project that's dear to his heart. And so I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen, but he's, he's going to share some stuff. And then you're going to see um, just the emotion that he's invested into this, and I just love this song. And um, so, whatever. I hope you love it, too. All right. I might have a little bit of a crush on Hugh Jackman, just <laughs> saying. Did you see that he, he, he had to go back and get them restitched, but he just couldn't contain himself, and it's so perfect with what the song's about. Like, it was, it was, it was like he was having, like, a spiritual experience Of the meaning of the song as a person like this is what it's all about like he's not going to waste this moment to sing it and sell it when he's waited all these years for it to happen and the the core of that song that just gets me is that there's 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 like a a sense of I'm not going to let this life slip away chasing the wrong priorities and we've been talking about that in one way or another every week the last month haven't we And I just think this is just a commitment. Like, this just gets me. You know, from now on, I'm not going to wait anymore. I'm not going to put things off until I've graduated, until I've found the one, until I've got enough money, until I've got the right house, until I've got the right job. I'm not going to put it off anymore. You know, from now on, I'm just going to start living right now. I'm going to start living the life that I intend to live. I'm going to start writing the story That I mean to write. That's what I want to talk about today. Where is it? There it is. I want to write the story with my life that I mean to write. See, you're all writing a story with your life. We're all writing a story. But only some of us are doing it on purpose. And and we're going to get done and there's going to be a story written. Whether you like it or not, there's going to be a story about who you are, about what you're about, about what you believe, about what you invested in, and so are you writing the story that you mean to write? See, in the movie, he lost track of the very purpose that he had started everything out. And he's saying, now that I see you here, which were the, the, you know, the misfits and the people that he had invested in, he remembers what it was all about. And he's saying, that's why I say, I'm coming back home to who I'm supposed to be. I'm not going to live my life and die and get to the end and have regrets about what I wish I would have done, who I wish I would have been. You know, the story that I write with my life is only up to me. I can't blame my parents, my friends, my socioeconomic status. It's up to me. You are the only author of your life. And so here's the thing that I'm thinking about for my life. I'll just give you an example. Because sometimes we don't write the story that we mean to write. And here's a thing that I hate about. Hate's a strong word. Especially when I'm going to talk about myself. Um... I dislike about myself, okay? Here's something I dislike about myself. So I, I in my mind, I want to be an available friend and person. But I get this a lot, okay? I get this statement a lot. Hey, Christian, I don't want to bother you. I know you're busy. I know you're very busy. You seem busy. I get that a lot. I'm like, what am I doing to portray that I'm so busy that I don't have time for people. But something that I do communicates that. And I get it all the time. Oh, Christian, I didn't want to bother you. You seem so busy. Or like an email, like, I'm, you know, like reading an email is like a huge you know, uh, burden to put on me, right? Like, but I didn't want to write you an email because I just know, you know you're so... I'm like, that is not like when I die on my tombstone, it's not like Christian Dunn, he was busy, right? That's not what I'm going for. That's not the story I mean to write. But I'm writing it. Somehow I'm communicating my life so that people in this room, you think I'm too busy for you. And that just breaks my heart. It's something I'm doing wrong. And I, and I think about it a lot and I pray about it a lot. And I try, to, I try to say like, no, I'm not too busy. I hate that. So don't ever say it again. All right, no. It's not on you, it's on me. And, I, and I, it's an area of growth for me, but I'm just telling you, we are writing a story whether we're doing it on purpose or not. So can we write the story that we mean to write? Can we have the priorities, not just say we have the priorities, but actually have the priorities? So like, what's the story that you wanna write with your life? Have you thought about that? What's the story you wanna write? Like, So let's say, let's say you're a parent. What do you want to be as a parent? Like, you set out with some ideas of what you'd be as a parent, didn't you? Like, how many of us said, I'll never do X, Y, and Z, and you've done them? Anybody? Right? I'll never say the words, while you live under my roof, you will do what I say. I was like, I'll never say that. I have literally said that more times than I can count. Because, as a parent, it now makes total sense to me. I'm paying for all this crap, and if you can't obey this simple instruction to take the dog out once a day... You know, when you're 18, you can move out and see how that works for you. But while you live under my roof, and I'm like, "Whoa." I just say that, but I'm I i did not just say it, like I meant it. I believe it, right? But it's like sometimes as a parent, we're like doing stuff that you know, that, that I think is totally fine by the way. But let's say you're like you're like angrier than you thought you'd be. Have you ever noticed that or you're like shorter with your words than you thought you'd be? Or how about as a spouse? Like, are you, are, you, are you as a spouse what you want to be? What about as a friend? Here's another thing that people think about me that I don't love. It's that um, I'm not, like, reliable to go do fun things with friends. And I'm, like, known as the guy who, like, waits to the last minute to commit and, um, and then sometimes will back out. I don't love that about myself. That's, that's another thing that's like, I'm writing this story. My life is writing a story that I don't like about myself. You know, are you doing that as a friend? Are you, are you like looking for, a, let's say you're single. What kind of people are you dating? You know, because you want to write a story and you have this picture of where you want to be. But guess what? If you date this and you magically think it'll turn into this, you're kidding yourself. Right? So what kind of story are you trying to write as a single person? What kind of story are you trying to write? You know, if, if, you're, if you're, you know, um, empty nester, the kids have moved out of your house. You know, some people just like phone it in. If you're retired, you're not retired from writing your story. God still has a plan. If you're breathing, God has work for you to do on this earth. So what are, you, what are you doing with your story and what excuses do we like get in the way? Like ask this question, if your life were to end right now, would you be happy with your story? Are there things in your story that you'd be like, man, I really thought I'd have time to do that. I always want to do this, but it just keeps getting pushed off because of life. Or I really thought I'd change this about myself. I've been this way for years. You know, I keep saying I'm going to stop having an anger problem. But, you know, it's there. Like, you know, again, like my tombstone Christian, he was busy and kind of angry, right? He'd be like, glad I didn't know him. All right, so can we write the story that we mean to write? We write the story that we mean to write. I want to read a story to you from from, uh, the Bible. This is in the book of Acts. And so Acts is written by Luke. Luke was one of the followers of Jesus. He was a doctor. And uh, so he wrote one of the four eyewitness accounts of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Luke wrote that. And then he wrote Acts. So it's kind of like a sequel, Right? Luke was about Jesus' life until his death and resurrection, and Acts was about after the resurrection and how the early church started. And so we meet this guy named Saul, whose name is going to get changed to Paul, and that's the guy you hear me talk about a lot at church, because Paul became one of the foremost apostles, followers of Jesus, and wrote much of the New Testament. So this is a story of the beginning of that story, all right? Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who who belonged to the way, which is what... They they didn't call them Christians yet. That was still to come. They just called them the way, which is actually so much cooler than Christians. Of course, then my name would be way done, which... That's way done. All right. Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So here's what's happening. A a bunch of the Hellenistic Jews or the Greek Jews uh, who became followers of Jesus had been persecuted in Jerusalem, and so they had fled into other areas. And Saul was saying, Would you give me permission under the authority of the synagogue to go find these people and bring them back to Jerusalem so we can put them in prison? That's what he's doing. A little bit later in the story... There's another disciple who tells us what he thinks about Paul. I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. Paul is writing his story. And this is, if, if he stopped right now, this is what we would have known about Paul, who was called Saul. I know it's confusing. But he had been persecuting the church. He had, see, he, and what's funny about this is he even, like, was meaning to do one thing. He was wholeheartedly trying to do the Lord's will. He's trying to follow God. But he was operating in the other way. And don't we do that? Like, how many of you in this room are like, yeah, yeah, I'm creative. Like, that's your thing. Like, I, I'm creative. But honestly, if I sat down and looked at how many things you've been creative with the last two months, there'd be like nothing because you've just been filling your life with other things. You know? I mean, it's like we, we get in the wrong vein. Or, or even like as a parent, You know, we we think that if we're angry and super strong, that it's going to produce something in our kids. You know, I used to overreact and get angry as a parent, and then um, somebody told me this Bible verse, and they said it's in it's in Proverbs, and it says the righteousness no, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, and it was so convicting for me because I was like, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. When I get angry, I'm angry about injustice. I'm angry about disrespect, and I want to produce righteousness in my kids. But the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God in those people. And so I was thinking I was going one way, but I had a wake-up call and was going another way. So we see the same thing happens to Paul here. Watch this. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul's like, who are you? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, get up and go into the city, and you 'll be told what you must do, so he has this literal wake up call for his life where he has knocked off of his i don 't know donkey do they have horses back then there 's a horse okay we 're going with horse all right so he 's knocked off of his horse, his animal, his four legged creature that he was riding upon he was knocked off, and he has this this experience where it 's like Saul, you're going the wrong way. Have you ever had one of those in your life? Yeah, I've had one of those. I've had a bunch of those. It's like God. It's like it's like a wake up call. It's like, listen, you are not writing the story you mean to write. If you've gone through starting point, you've maybe heard me tell this story. But some of where this church came from was a similar experience for me. And I was I was um, at the church I used to pastor at, and I was playing drums one morning on stage, and I just had, I was praying for a friend of mine who has never been to a church, and, I, and you know, has no faith experience, no faith background, and I, was, and I just realized that the way that we were doing church, I, I don't know that he would have understood it. And I was like, how do you reach people like this? What am I supposed to do? Should I invite them to my, I, I didn't have a small group because I worked with teenagers, and I realized in my life, I had nothing to invite him to that would work at the level he was at. And I started to just, I didn't actually cry because I was drumming and I didn't, you know, I needed to stay focused, but I just felt like this incredible weight upon my heart like, Christian, you're a pastor and yet you have a friend that you have nowhere to invite him to. There's no, like, there's no service created for people who are exploring faith. There's no small group, there's no place, there's nowhere. So you, you're, so you don't invite him. In fact, if he said he wanted to come, you wouldn't say you should come. And I started to think, what, what am I doing? Why am I a pastor? And I had like a, an existential crisis. I can remember, you know, being in prayer later on my own and just saying, God, I don't know what I should do. Like, if you want me to stop being a pastor, like, I'll just get a, a real job, you know? And like, I'll just, I'll just invite people to my house. And like, Mandy and I will, we don't, you don't have to be paid, to tell people about Jesus, I'll just get a real job to provide for our family and we'll just invite people to our house and, and talk about Jesus. I was ready to just like start it over, throw it all over. And, and, and then this, you know, a friend of mine who's a pastor said, listen, I want you to read this book. And so I read this book and it was like, it was like a light shining, seriously. As I read this book, I just, I, I was like, this is, the, this is what I'm supposed to do. We're supposed to start a church where anybody, no matter where they are on their faith journey, whether they hate God and hate church and have been hurt by church or they've never been to a church before or they've been going to church for 100 years, they could walk in here and feel, they they understand everything that's happening. They feel loved and accepted. They belong immediately. And we're okay with your journey. That's why I say things like, if you're not a believer, this is how this helps you. I say that every time I preach because... I assume someone's in here every day that we're in here who isn't sure if they want to follow Jesus or not, and that is the goal. I didn't want to start a church for Christians. so Sorry if you're a Christian. Like, but we started a church for, for people who are seeking faith, and I think it's going to be good for you if you're a Christian. But this is, what, this is what gets me up in the morning now. God convicted me, grabbed hold of my life, even though I was 40 years old, and I was like, God, I'm supposed to be done trying new things Right, I've got a cushy job. I can work here the rest of my life. I'm good at what I do. But it was a wake up call. And it was like, you're not writing the story you mean to write. Because you know what has always been my greatest passion? It's been helping people find Jesus. Doesn't matter. You know, I mean, so, do you know some people have gone to church their whole lives but have yet to find Jesus? It's not about church. You know, some people have gone to church and and things have been done that have been so painful that they've been like, they've become church homeless and they just have nowhere to go. And we welcome people like that here. That's my, that's just my heartbeat. So from now on, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, oh, come on home. Like. Like Manny and I watched this movie together and we were both crying and we were like we can never go back. I was crying. I can tell on the inside. You a little bit, a little bit. She's got a heart of stone. But we we both looked at each other and we were like this is about the church. This is about our church. This is about city light. We can never go back because we don't know what's going to happen here. I might still have to get a real job. I mean, we don't know. But it's like, it's worth it. Every time I sit down with someone and they're like, until I came here, I didn't know if I could find church again. Until I came here, I didn't know if God loved me. Until I came here, I didn't know if I could belong to a faith community. I'm like, yes, this is why we're doing it. When I see you here. So that's my that's my story that I want to write. And it, it took me a while to figure it out. So in Damascus, there was a disciple. Can you tell I'm passionate about that? You want me to dial it down a little bit? Sorry. People are like, I thought earplugs were for worship. Um, okay. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. Okay, so a little bit of the story that I cut out. After he falls off the four-legged animal and has this thing with Jesus, he then goes blind. And so he gets taken to a room in Damascus where he stays for three days fasting and praying. And then this happens. There was a man named Ananias. And the Lord said to Ananias in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and asked for a man, which by the way, the creativity of people in that day were like, you know, they like built the street. And they're like, what should we call this street? Well, I don't know. It's pretty straight. That's it. We'll call it straight street. I mean, this is how I read the Bible, by the way, in my head. And they asked for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying in a vision he has seen a, name, a man named Ananias. Ananias is like, crap. Uh, Come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. And to that, Ananias said it, this. or maybe this, (laughs) because Ananias is like, I've heard about this guy, this is the guy who kills and hunts down believers, right, and he's come here to arrest more people, and God says to Ananias, I love, I love God, he just says, go, (laughs) no, 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 you didn't listen to anything I said, I had some good excuses, like, really, God, I think you should think about my excuses. He doesn't say, hey, I'll protect you. He's just like, go! That's how I talk to my kids. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. Do you realize if, how important Ananias is to this story? It's because of Paul that we're most, I mean, unless there's some Jewish friends in here, I don't know, but most of us are here because of Paul. We're Gentiles. Did you know that? Okay. Chosen an instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings, which is true. He did that. And to the people of Israel, which is true. He did that. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Which maybe was God like just baiting Ananias a little bit. Like, go tell him he's going to suffer and i make you feel better, right? There's a little bit more dialogue that happens and it says at once. So he goes and prays for him and Saul gets his sight back. At once he began to preach. At once. He was like, can you imagine? He literally showed up in the town to arrest and kill Christians, and then he walks in three days later, and he starts preaching that Jesus is the Messiah, and he's the only way to heaven. He didn't wait at once. He was like, it was, it was a turning point for his life. He lost friends. There's some commentary that, that suspects that he lost his wife over this because he changed so radically, and she was Jewish. So, at once began to preach. It cost him. Read about Paul. He was beaten. He was tortured. He was imprisoned. He was shipwrecked. He was lied about. He was accused because he said, this is the story I want to write of my life. So My question for you today is if if you could change one thing about your life, if you could change one thing about your life, if you could change one thing about your story, from now on, what would you do differently? What would you do differently? We've been talking about, these are the teachings we've given so far. Maybe one of these has been speaking to you. You know, maybe you've got dreams that you've, you've set aside, that you've locked away, that you said, well, I'll wait until, I'll wait until, I'll wait until, I'll wait until, and no, now is the time. I'm not gonna wait for tomorrow what I could do for today, right? Maybe... Maybe you feel like, you know what, I've never really been bold at being available for God. Maybe we need to just be available. Maybe that's what needs to change. I'm going to make a commitment to you, God, that anytime I feel you prompting me to serve or sacrifice or love or pray for someone, I'm just going to step into your story for my life. Maybe it's Letting God use your brokenness. Remember we talked about how God has a beautiful plan for your brokenness. Maybe you need to say, God, I'm tired of letting my brokenness write my story. I'm tired of letting my pain write my story. I am going to write my story with you. You have a beautiful plan for my brokenness. Or maybe like last week, you realize that you need to connect in and stop chasing the things of this world that will never be enough. And say, God, you are going to be the center. You're going to be who I long for. You're going to be that relationship that I cultivate. What is the story that you want to write with your life? You guys can come up. So, a good friend of mine in this, in this church, actually, her, her mom passed away recently. And I asked her permission to share this. And so we went to the funeral and i you don't usually go to funerals expecting like anything for yourself you're there you know to pay respect and to support the family but i'll tell you what it was powerful And I know that like when when people, when there's funerals, everybody gets eulogized. I know that. But like there was just something about when people got up and talked about how she had touched their lives and was person after person. She was a mentor in my life. If it weren't for her, I wouldn't know God. She was there for me when my family broke apart. And it was just like, it was like, okay, a couple of these people, you know, like, you know, maybe we've all accidentally done that, you know, but it was just, one after another, after another, after another. And I thought, man, she wrote a great story. It was convicting. It was a funeral. It was convicting. I was sitting there thinking, what kind of story am I writing? What kind of story are you writing? Are you just writing a story or are you writing the story that you mean to be writing? It's up to you. The greatest life is really up to you. God, I mean, God's got a plan for you. He's got, he's got, I don't just mean like some one grand plan that if you miss it, you, you know, you've failed. I'm saying it's an ongoing plan every day. There's, there's more. So we have to participate in that. Can we write the story that we mean to write so that when we're done, that we can say, yes, I did it. I wrote the story. Is there one thing that you'd like to change in your life today? Think about that. If you could change one thing. So we're going to pass out just some blank cards. I haven't written anything on them. I just want to give you a blank card. And I want you to think about what's one thing you would change about your story. I'll tell you mine. Okay, And then I'm going to end. I feel like for the last year since we planted the church, I have gotten... um, less and less consistent with my own spiritual soul care, my own relationship with Jesus. And I'm, I'm busy, and I actually love the busyness. I love working on stuff that has to do with the church plant. I'm so excited about where God's taking us at City Light. And so every time that I think, oh, I should spend some time alone with God, I think, or I could do this thing. And that is, that is the one thing that I would change right now about my life. I'm telling you, I... I should be connecting with God like we talked about last week in that sacred space, my heart connecting to God. And I'm, I'm not doing it nearly as often as I need to be. Not, not should. It's not a should. It's a need. And so if I could change one thing about my story, I mean, I'm, I, could write, I could tell you like 10 other things, okay? I'm just saying, uh, we're doing one because we don't want to overwhelm anybody. If I could change one thing, like I would love it for it to be said of me at the end of my life, Not to like, oh, he's a great leader or he had a big church or whatever. Like, I would love for it to be said that I loved my wife and my kids and that, man, I just never knew someone who was so close to Jesus and just felt his heartbeat and heard his voice and loved people like Jesus loved them. And I'm not there. I I need to draw myself. I need to get closer to Jesus. So what's your one thing? From now on, if you could change one thing, what would it be? just write that. I, t- I dare you to write that on your card. We're going to have our response and reflection time. So write this on your card and maybe put it somewhere. Like I put the examine card that we handed out last week. I put it by my bedside so I can just see it before I go to bed. Write this. Put it by your bedside. Put it by your office. I mean, just, you know, put it in your pocket. Just like think. Maybe make a plan. Like change doesn't happen overnight. Maybe talk to someone who can help you. I'm not giving you a whole lot of practical steps here. I'm just challenging you to write something down. What's one thing you'd like to change? Go make a plan about it and start today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Start today. Don't wait till tomorrow. So during our response and reflection time, we end with five minutes or so each week um, just to let you think about and pray about what we've just talked about. So we're gonna do another song. You're welcome to stand up and sing. You can fill out the card that I just gave you, right? You can just spend some time praying and thinking and writing. You can go get prayer. We have a couple people over there. We like to pray for you. You don't have to pray. You just get prayer, which means you go over there and say, hey, my name's so-and-so. This is what I'd like to pray for and they join you and pray for you. A couple ideas you could go prayer, get prayer for something you'd like to change in your life, right? Or you could get prayer to invite Jesus into your story in a new way. Let's stand together. Do you ever play back conversations in your mind that you've had and rethink about all the things you just said? All right, so I know like technically I shouldn't do what I'm about to do, but I got to say, one thing I said, I feel a little bit like I shouldn't have said it. <laughs> So this is us being authentic, right, and not being too slick. Um, I said something like, "I don't care about Christians." Did I say something like that? And I was trying to. What I'm trying to say is, our priority is is being a place where anybody can come in and find Jesus, whether they're far from God or not. But obviously, I care about people who are following God too. I hope you know that. I didn't communicate that that I that like Christians are just like you know, we don't care about you if you don't like that. Leave, right? That's that's not my heart. You know, our goal is to seek love and care for people like Jesus the love of our vision is all about taking care of each other and being a family that's one of the awesome things about the vineyard is when you're here your family whether you've been here a week or whether you've been here well I mean 10 and a half months so um if I if I communicated anything other than that I apologize okay got that over with so I just want to pray for you right, let's just close our eyes together Jesus thank you so much that you have a story for us. And I pray that we would dial into your story and we would not just let our story get written on accident by our pain or by the world or by our busyness, that we would write our story that we mean to write God. And just while we're praying, if you're here and you've never said, Jesus, I want you to lead my life, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm just gonna pray a prayer right now and you can just repeat it in your heart after me. said Jesus, I ask that you would save me. I acknowledge that I need you to save me from my sins. I pray that you would lead my life and I give my heart to you. Amen.